Welcome to episode four of the Jobcast, the employment support team's new podcast aimed at helping you to build the skills and confidence to find work. I'm Francesca. And I'm Dan. This month we're joined by Alice, Sam and Aaron from Steps to Wellbeing. Hello, my name's Sam Gould. I'm an employment advisor at Steps to Wellbeing. I'm Aaron. Um, I'm also an employment advisor here at Steps to Wellbeing. And I'm Alice and I am a psychological wellbeing practitioner at Steps to Wellbeing, which is difficult to say all in one breath. <laughs> but yeah, basically what that is, is I, yeah, so where Anne and San provide some employment support to the people working with our service, I provide um, sort of what's called guided self-help, so CBT-led support to people who are also managing sort of mental health conditions like depression or anxiety. So Steps to Wellbeing as a service, it's an NHS service, it's a free service and it's a primary care service. So you can access it either just by, by going via your GP, but you can also access it yourself just by signing up for an assessment on our website or giving us a call. And what we do is we assess people who are maybe struggling with all kinds of mental health issues. And we offer support where we can to those people suffering from depression or anxiety related disorders, usually CBT, but we do also offer counselling and we offer extra services like the employment support team that Aaron and Sam do that they can talk a bit about. So, yeah, so as employment advisors and um, what me and Sam do is work with people. So we're the more non-clinical side of steps to wellbeing, essentially, and we sort of support people that um, are either on the waiting list for therapy. So the psychological therapy side of things or currently in therapy. And we help resolve any sort of workplace issues, employment issues or unemployment issues that someone could be having uh, that might be having a knock on effect in terms of their mental health and wellbeing, essentially. So, you know, work is a huge part of our lives. And if things aren't going well in the workplace, that can have a knock on effect in terms of, you know, not only our well-being and, and productivity in the workplace, but also how we feel in our in our private lives and our personal lives. And um, yeah, so we, you know, anything from employment issues such as workplace disputes, um, harassment, and feel free to chime in anytime, Sam, because um, I won't be able to think of them all. Okay. Um, uh, discrimination, maybe, yeah. or maybe bullying sometimes at work. Um, uh, it, uh, but it could be things like wellness at work, how to keep well at work as well. Yeah, stress uh, as and well. Get, and Getting back into work, do you guys do? Voluntary yep. work as well, sort of that felt phase return type stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, anything like that. Likewise, if someone's, you know, um, suspended or signed off sick yeah like you said we can help with that return to work process and if someone's unemployed and they're struggling you know to find work or struggling with any part of the application process we can help with things like cvs cover letters um applications and mock interviews and stuff when it comes to that sort of point as well cool sounds great so yeah thank thank you so much for joining us this month um so just sort of putting it out there really um how can work affect your mental health? What What do you think? I think uh, I think we've learned a lot about that during this COVID situation. <laughs> Obviously, um, you know, it's. I think before this, a lot of people it was it was more just the workplace stress, the workplace pressure that sort of people thought of with regards to mental health and work. But I think with everything that's been going on with the, the pandemic and the COVID situation, um, we're increasingly seeing how we need that sense of purpose and that sense of routine to our days to sort of stay well and stay healthy. And um, the thing is, because work's such a huge part of our lives, it sort of, and obviously mental health is a huge part of our lives, the two sort of do really sort of intertwine. So if you're struggling with mental health issues at home, it's going to affect your work, which is going to have a knock on effects in terms of your finances, um, you know, which is just going to add to the pressure. Whereas 
equally, if you're struggling with things at work and struggling with um, workplace pressure or, or, you know, disputes in the workplace, that can, you know, it's difficult to switch off a lot of the time and we can end up taking that home with us, um, which again has a knock on effect in terms of our mental health. So they sort of feed into each other. So I think it's really important to address, you know, if you're going to address mental health and, and you're having difficulties with your employment situation, it's, imp it's important to address both because, like I said, they do, they really do feed into one another. Just as a bit of a, a follow-up question. And I think I'd... Sorry, go on, Alice. I was just going to say, I might add to that and just sort of say, well, actually work can be really beneficial for our mental health as well. And yeah. that's what you were saying earlier. Erin. It's like, it gives us that structure and that routine. And um, often what people are finding is that it's the, if they've been furloughed, if they've been sort of sadly out of a job for a while because of the pandemic, actually that itself can have a huge impact on our mental health. Just having a lot of time to think, to get lost of our own and that sense of that structure and that, yeah, that sense of meaning that work can give our day-to-day -day lives. Yeah, so absolutely. not all of us do jobs that, you know, we love, but most of us will find some daily satisfaction in, in the work that we do day-to-day. Yeah, and it's one of those things It's easy if you're, um, you know, unemployed and you wake up in the morning, it's easy to sort of slip into that mindset. Well, you know, I've, I've not got to get up. I've not got to be at work for a certain time. So I may as well just stay in bed another hour or stay in bed another hour. And before you know it, you're in one of those sort of pits where, oh, well, what's the point of getting out of bed in the morning? You know, because I don't have that sense of purpose. Um, but yeah, like Alice said, it can be really, really conducive to positive mental health and well-being as well. If, you know, if you enjoy your work and if things are going well at work and you have that, uh, you know, that community and that support network of people around you. Yeah, definitely. I guess it also allows you to, so what I was going to say, kind of Alice picked up on actually, so we're obviously on the right, sort of the same wavelength, but um, I guess from, from our point of view, what we see with some of our clients is that they say that they need to find work because it helps to improve their mental health. And it's also, it's, it's about kind of expanding your network of people that you talk to or actually having people to talk to sometimes um, I think has more effect on people's mental health than than any of us really give us give it credit for really but um, so yeah so Alice you answered my question without me even asking it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just that good. <laughs> but I think you're, yeah, you're right though because it's the um, it's not just about having those deep meaningful conversations with close friends that day-to-day sort of small talk social interaction is also really important that variety of social interaction every day and and work can be just a really really important source of that yeah definitely yeah definitely um so if someone was to be having a problem at work and it was having an impact on their mental health what what kind of stuff can they do what what support could they get to help with that I think the most perhaps the important thing to do is talk to somebody about it yeah. so within within your work it could be a colleague it could be uh, your manager it could be someone from human resources it could be for someone from occupational health uh, or it could be outside of work it could be by talking to us at steps to well-being so the key thing is to is to is to talk to somebody about it really yeah i think a lot of mental health issues that are caused by work um, can be mitigated with with conversations usually you know having that um, you know being transparent with your manager having that conversation with um, HR and letting them know what's going on with regards to the things you're struggling with at work and um, you know a lot of people don't realize that an, an employer's got a duty of care in the workplace to ensure the well-being of their employees so uh, well, they, they can't do that if they don't know 
you know that you're struggling so i think communication is a large part of dealing with those um you know mental health and stuff in the workplace absolutely i guess yeah. that really kind of the phrase of um it's okay to not be okay so yeah absolutely yeah conversations and once you start having those conversations, actually, you'll be surprised what comes out of them and who else might be struggling as well yeah. in the workplace. And I think it's really important for managers as well to remember that what they're doing in terms of supporting their own mental health is modelling that for their teams as well, because it, it flows mm. down. Yeah, definitely. No, that's good. Thank you. Um, so I guess we've kind of sort of talked about, you know, talking and the importance of talking, but what would your tips be for keeping mentally healthy at work? So I think it's really important oh. to have good supervision, um, regular supervision. If you can have that time with your manager, maybe once a week, maybe once a fortnight, um, you can sit down with your manager and discuss your workload, discuss the issues you're facing at work, and they can have, um, uh, you know, they can ask questions about how you're doing and how well you think you're performing. I think supervision time is really important and something that I think we all, we often recommend, um, which sometimes is lacking within within people's workplaces. I also think that it's so important to be. This is a slightly broader approach to the answer, I think, than that, but. It's really thinking about what that balance is that you've got going on in your life as well. What boundaries are people putting on around mm -hmm. work? So I think it's very, very easy, especially when we're all working from home, as I think we all, we all in this group are doing at least some <laughs> of, is to let it slide over into the evening, into our leisure time, into times that we'd normally be spending with our families or going out mm -hmm. and actually making sure that we've got more than just work going on in our lives that we've got that balance there is really, really key. So there's um, something that I sometimes, there's an exercise I sometimes do with people, which is called the nine pillars. And it's imagining that you're, you're in a room where the ceiling is supported by just one pillar. And that pillar is say your work, your work life. If something happens to that one pillar, there is nothing else holding up the ceiling. If you've only got work going on, then if anything happens at work, if work starts getting stressful, if something goes wrong, if there's issues coming up, you've got very little else going on in your life to keep you going. Mm. What you want to think about is actually nine different pillars that you can keep going. There's your family, there's your recreation that you do, there's your maybe sense of community, there's your physical health. There's all these different areas that we've got to be thinking about in terms of what's actually keeping us supported, what's keeping us going. And it means we're so much less vulnerable when something does go wrong in one of those areas. So if issues are going coming up at work, we're so much better equipped to deal with them if we've made sure to keep that balance going in our lives. So I think that's my, that's a bit of a broader tip. There. <coughs> that's probably like the main thing I'd be thinking about. The one thing I, I would just suggest as well is <clears throat> it's knowing your limits and not spreading yourself too thin when you are at work. I think, you know, a lot of people want to do as you know the best they can, which is fantastic. But I think a lot of the time people can bite off more than they can chew. And then before you know it, it's a snowball effect. You've got more work, more pressure, which gives, you know, makes you less productive, which gives you more work. And it's almost like, you know, just know your limits. Um, don't spread yourself too thin and do the best you can, essentially. I think people need to give themselves more credit when they're, you know, at work and in their job. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, just doing some reflection, really. So um, I am notoriously 
one of those people that's always busy. I'm literally bouncing from one thing to another. Me being late for this appointment is just a prime example. Um, but, <laughs> um, lots of lots of people, uh, when I did my 360 feedback for um, my apprenticeship, lots of people said that actually they felt that maybe I was too busy, whereas actually I know I know myself. So I, I guess it's about knowing yourself, isn't it? And knowing where that limit is. So I work to a really high um, stress sort of threshold. That's there's a very, very fine line between me being really stressed and me working at my optimum. Um, and that's just where I work. And actually, I thrive off that. And that's where people get best results from me. But I also it's about having that insight to know actually that I've taken that step a little bit too far over and I am now working in that sort of stress mode rather than just high productivity. Um, but it's about knowing yourself, isn't it? And and it's also about having those, those conversations that we've talked about. I mean, I'm very lucky in the fact that we've got a really lovely team around us. I've got a very supportive manager and things. So with that, that communication, that helps. But um, yeah, I guess I just wanted to add that, that we all have different levels, don't we? And, and different kind of thresholds. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That can fluctuate across one person's life as well. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think that that conversation aspect that it's a combination, isn't it, of of knowing yourself, knowing your own limits, but also accepting that feedback and hearing what people have to say. I mean, me and Francesca, we've got well, I like to think we've got a great working relationship, and yeah, um, yeah I'm glad to agree. And it and, and <laughs> I'm very lucky in, in that sense, but you know, I, I kind of know my limits and, and what I perceive to be my own kind of barriers and things. And and Francesca can actually challenge me on some of that. And, you know, she'll know we've worked together long enough now. She'll know when I'm kind of maybe doing a bit too much or things are maybe getting a bit on top of me. And, and that communication is is really helpful. So it just comes back to the, the conversations, doesn't it? And, and that open relationship. And it's it can be difficult for, you know, not not everybody is as, as lucky as us in, in having that kind of positive management structure. But but it, it does help. And even if it's not necessarily with a manager, but maybe with a colleague or even ringing up a helpline or something like that, that can just be a great starting point, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think feedback's pretty important as well. I mean, uh, I always like to um, get feedback from my manager about how, how well I think I'm doing at my job and how well she thinks that I'm doing as well. I think it's really important to um, to get regular feedback really with your manager to let you know that you're doing a good job. I think that's, that's something that we all need. Yeah, definitely. Actually, that's what drives me a little bit more. I, I think there's sort of, um, there's different ways of, of managing people, isn't there? And um, different sort of forms of communication. And I'm I'm the sort of person that I need I need things just reinforced. Actually, yeah, you're doing a really great job, or you're definitely on the right path. Because otherwise, yeah. I have that self doubt, and yeah. and I have quite a lot of self doubt naturally. So like I need and I thrive off having that. Yeah, yeah, you're good to go. Keep going, keep going. Um, whereas if I had a manager who I didn't, I couldn't ask. He won't always naturally share it. Sometimes I do have to ask, am I doing all right? Um, but, you know, I know that I'll get the answer. Whereas there are some some people who are probably hopefully listening to this and they'll be thinking, 
actually, do you know what? I haven't got that relationship with my manager or my manager doesn't even actually ask how I am. And that makes me really sad and also makes me a little bit worried because there are lots of, of managers out there who maybe aren't quite aware of just how important their feedback really yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's quite an easy thing to do, that, isn't that it? Resilience in the workplace does. I'm sorry, I think I'm very stuttery on my connection, so I do apologise if I'm inadvertently talking over people. Go for it, Alice. Okay, I was just saying um, that that resilience in the workplace it is so important for it to come really from the top down and to have yes. that that be something that's really instigated. I think at Steps to Wellbeing, we've actually thinking of steps to wellbeing as a workplace, we're very lucky in that a lot of attention is paid to our own wellbeing as well as the, the wellbeing of all the clients we're supporting. And that's uh, sadly not always the case, in, but it does make a massive difference. And I would encourage people to think about, you know, yeah, when you're when you're taking care of your mental health, that's actually a really good thing to be doing for the culture in your workplace as well. There is something as well called a wellness action plan that we recommend to some of our clients, which is um, a plan which Mind has developed, which um, talks about different approaches you can take to support support your mental well-being, about early warn, warning signs and triggers that might affect you at work, and about the sort of support you need from your manager and what, what you can do in stressful situations. So there is a wellness action plan available, so um, that's something that you can get from the internet. Yeah, and if you're if you're someone struggling with mental health at work, then um, that's a really good way to structure those conversations we were talking about earlier with your manager. You know that being transparent and letting them know what's going on. Um, a wellness action plan is a really really good way to structure that conversation for people that might be you know a little bit ambivalent about bringing it up with their um, with their management. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know that I've I've used it um, for. Uh, as a tool to, to enable staff um, and people looking for work as well um, to just really think about how they, they want to communicate um, their own mental health and, and how they almost want to be want to have those conversations initiated with them um, and it's been really useful and very insightful as well and actually as a manager I felt quite privileged almost to, to be working with someone on a document that was very personal to them. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a, a really good tool. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. It is, um, with that in mind actually, it is really good for employers as well because, um, you know, you do unfortunately get those companies that aren't really, not necessarily privy to the mental uh, health side of things, but you know, maybe just not as aware of the prevalence, you know, as aware of its prevalence in the workplace. So that can be a really good way for, you know, managers and employers to sort of start to expand their horizons and realise, OK, these, you know, these are things that we have to have, um, you know, measures in place for to support people when this when this stuff happens. So, yeah, they can be really, really beneficial for employers as well. Those wellness action plans. Cool. Yeah, we're, we're talking about a lot of um, a lot of quite cool resources, really helpful resources. Um, so what, what I'll make sure we do is we'll, we'll put links to all of this in the descriptions that we've got. So if there is anything that anyone listening would like to find out more about it should all be in the description for you. Um, so yeah, and I think those those conversations and and you know asking for that support is is so important. Um, I think sometimes people might be a little bit worried about about starting those conversations and 
things like that and yeah you know it's people might worry about their rights and that they might not want to say that they're struggling because they worry it might impact them negatively um so how how can people kind of find out about actually their rights around around mental health at work and actually seeing that that's not the case i suppose the short answer is um there's a really good website run by acas who are uh, employment experts in uh, in everything really and they list pretty much all your rights at work, uh, what you're entitled to, be that national minimum wage, be, be it um, statutory sick pay, be it maternity, paternity rights, uh, annual leave. There's a whole wealth of information on the ACAS website. And um, these are rights that obviously, you know, have developed over time, become <coughs> laws and are there to benefit all our lives. So um, it's 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 something that we, we we refer to ourselves, the ACAS website a lot uh, yeah. and and uh, encourage other people to look at as well, because um, <clears throat> a lot of people don't know they're in, they're entitled to certain things and and it can make a real difference to their lives. Yeah, ACAS and Citizens Advice Bureau as well, they're they're very um, useful when it becomes when it comes to you know employment advice and employment law and things of that nature as well. Definitely. I, um, I have to say uh, we're very lucky. We work very closely with citizens advice um, and things. So, um, yeah, we we have um, a shared working space when we're all allowed to start working face to face again and, and being out of our homes. So, I mean, kind of talking about working from home, I think um, certainly, you know, reflecting back a year ago, we were all sent to work from home and I kind of very naively, I think, thought oh, I'll only be for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months at the max. <laughs> and a year yeah. down the line, we're still sat here. I've never been so happy to have my own um, study, uh, which, you know, at the time I just, when it was created and, and things for me, um, it was just to help me with my study. Who'd have thought that I'd literally be spending all of my work hours in here as well. But you know, it's been a big change for lots of people. And I know that there are still lots of people who aren't able to do their work from home and they are having to, to go into the workplace um, and things. But thinking about working from home, um, I mean, I guess we've all got lots of different techniques and we've had a year to try lots of things out. But um, have you got any sort of top tips on how we can work from home effectively? I think a good thing to have if you've got a study, if you've got a dedicated workspace, that's really important. You know, yeah. I've come, come across uh, clients who've had to work from very difficult situations, working on settees and things like that, which can be really difficult. So if you can get a desk, if you can get a place to work, which is perhaps a little bit separate from where you have your usual living space, that is fantastic and that will that will really help you. So that's 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 one thing. Another thing could be give yeah. yourself regular breaks. You know, it's quite easy to be drawn into forgetting about going for breaks, but it's important to get up and, and have breaks and have proper lunch breaks and all of those things. Um, I think uh, if you can if you can literally go out of your house and go for a walk and then start work and then go for walks in lunch at lunchtime and things like that, all of that will make a real, real big difference as well. Yeah, and, and just to echo what Sam said there with regards to the, um, you know, having a dedicated workspace, I was one of those people that didn't, unfortunately, for the first, I think it was the first lockdown or the first one and a half lockdowns. And, um, 
yeah, it's just a game changer when you have a space to wake up and go to in the morning as if you are starting work as you would be in the office, as opposed to sort of, um, yeah, just sort of wandering about because then it gets to a point where almost every room, you know, if you're just working from any old room you can work from, you know, you, you come to associate all of your personal space then with work as well. And it, it makes it so much more difficult to switch off when you have finished and you have logged off. Um, so, yeah, I definitely agree with that in terms of having that dedicated work environment. I think the thing I might add to that, as you said, like there's, there's some people in situations where that's just not possible. Yeah. And even then I'd have a think about what you're doing to try and mitigate the impact of that. So, for example, you know, the one thing we'd always advise is don't work from your bed because it can really affect your sleep. If you're associating mm. the place you sleep with your work, if you have to, if it's literally the only space available to you, try and work at a different side of your bed, a different end of your bed. It's putting those little changes in place that is just helping with a little bit of a, a change in situation, a change in that, ba that boundary wherever you can. So it's sometimes it's having to be a bit creative about what that looks like, but then trying to be a bit consistent with whatever that is. Mm. So, you know, if you were sort of go switching ends of bed, working from the bottom of the bed and just doing that when you got up in the morning, that's still giving you a little bit of separation between work mode, sleep mode. So it is it is really, really tough. Um, I mean, I'm quite lucky in that I've got a private space where I can work from home. Um, and I can see that you've got this lovely study I can see in the background there. <laughs> but, you know, and that, that 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 is ideal. And even then, you know, sometimes it's really tough. Sometimes I just want the commute into the office or I just want to be able to speak to colleagues. So, you know, there's the uh, the joy of getting dressed for work, which is very which is an underestimated joy, I realised this year. That's but, what I was um, just going to say as well, yeah, actually. Um, don't work in your pajamas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't get work up, in your pajamas. Get up, brush your teeth, get yeah. dressed like you go into the office. It's going to change everything yeah. because if you're yeah, rolling out of bed. If you've noticed you're struggling with your sleep, well, well. I was, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, if you've noticed you're struggling with your sleep while working from home, that is something really to be thinking about. It's how separate am I keeping sleep and work? Yeah, I mean, I have to say I'm one of the worst. I mean, I have um, suffered with insomnia anyway, but I have to say working from home, even though so I have I do have a commute to, to my study. I have about 20 paces commute. So I physically leave the house, <laughs> which, you know, I, I used to take the mickey out of, but actually those 20 steps are quite important um, and they give me the opportunity to have some fresh air. Um, I mean, I'm very lucky I get to um, so you guys who can see me on this recording, um, I can see loads of birds flying in and out because my next door neighbour's got loads of birds like nesting boxes and things. So there's lots of birds flying around. Um, so, you know, I've got, I can look out and I, I get to see nice sort of things. And, you know, when we're based in the Civic, it's it's not always that nice. You know, sometimes just have brick wall to look at. But um, I think for me, I've had to enforce a change in my routine um, to make myself do a little bit more exercise because mm. I used to walk around the civic centre and I used to walk down the high street, I used to walk everywhere when, in town. If we had a meeting, I'd walk there um, and usually in quite big heels and quite fast because I'm notoriously late for everything. Um, but, you know, that I didn't realise, I totally underestimated just how much energy and how much exercise I used to actually get. I used to regularly hit you know, 20, 25,000 steps without really making an effort. Mm. Um, and now 
I'm lucky if I do, if I, if I didn't take my dog out for a walk and, and do all the, you know, just running around the house, I'd probably only do about 300 steps a day. And that's insane. Um, so, I mean, I've started to do some yoga. Um, I go out for a few more walks. There's one um, walking meeting that I have every week uh, with a colleague. So we just go out and we talk on the phone. So they're in Southampton. I'm not. Um, and we just we go for a walk and we just talk. Sometimes it's work stuff, sometimes it's not, but it's about having a bit of a catch up, but being outside and and just burning off some excess energy, I guess. Mm. Mm. I think it's, <clears throat> exercise is really important. And um, in some ways, working from home can offer us more opportunities to exercise. So, you know, in the lunch break, we might have a time to to go for a run or whatever. Um, so it's you're really it's you're really true it's 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 really important if we it's to keep good exercise going. Definitely. And you can sort of kill two birds with one stone with regards to you know going for a walk after work because you know not only are you going to get that exercise in but you're going to associate that walk after work with switching off from work. You know it's like that walk back from the office um, to home that gives you that chance to sort of reset and get into you know home mode so to speak. So. Yeah, going for a 10, 15 minute walk after you've, you know, logged off your laptop or clocked off, that can just help you switch off and get that exercise in as well. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I, I think mean, that's a, a really important thing, actually. It's something that I, I certainly took that for granted as well, the, the kind of the amount of distance I would cover every day. Um, but actually that that wasn't just the exercise, but actually going from one client meeting and then you'd be on a bus journey or, or walking to the next one, you've got time to reflect and actually move on from that and, you know, clear your thoughts, you've finished that one, now you're on this one. And I think sometimes in, in the world of Teams and Zoom, when we're literally able to just bounce from one meeting to another, that can sometimes have a bit of an impact as well. So that's something I've found is, is quite good, is just having those gaps in between meetings, that can be really helpful. And is that just... Sorry, I actually on. saw a story today. Oh, sorry. Um, I saw a story today where the CEO of Citigroup has instigated Zoom free Fridays because everyone was suffering so much from Zoom fatigue because it is it can just be non-stop, can't it? Yeah. Um, in one meeting, out the other. Um, so yeah, I'm a, a big fan of just sometimes stepping back a little bit from the screen or just finding that little bit those moments of rest and restoration throughout the day. Definitely some old fashioned just telephone calls. Who'd have thought I'd miss those? But I mean, um, part, of, uh, <laughs> part of my dissertation um, that I'm writing is kind of really focusing on um, our team um, and kind of looking at post sort of COVID plans and things. And part of, of the research that I've done has been around um, sort of staff wellbeing and engagement and also resilience. Um, and so a lot of the, the research and things that, that I've done, it kind of, you know, you've said everything, you've said all of the things that they've been sort of just highlighting and the fact that, you know, Zoom fatigue is, is massive, um, but also kind of going forward with the hybrid working, which is certainly, you know, the way that I think we're going to go as a team. So we'll be expected to do some in-house in and then some working from, from home. Um, and I think that it, we're going to have to find a new balance and almost have some new unspoken rules around, you know, either you have an online digital meeting or you have a physical meeting, but you don't have some people dialing in and some people in the room because then that's disadvantaging people. 
and and I think there's the whole work culture and balance and things I think we're going to have a good couple of years of trying to sort of finesse it all again mm. and get it working for everybody and, and it is um I can't remember who mentioned it earlier but you know working sort of in the right working environment and how a lot of the research was around how employers just assumed that staff had everything in place so that they could work from home um, and you know if you sort of take employers you know generally they might have given their staff a, a laptop and a mobile phone to work but what you know how do they know that they've definitely got wi-fi how do they know they've got phone reception um you know and and also working in in environments and we had all the kids home and things trying to balance homeschooling work life your mental health and everything else I and mean, it was a constant sort of um balancing act really um but making an assumption that employees had the right space to sit and do their job effectively um, yeah. I think that that's I know that we went into lockdown and it was very quick and no one saw it coming but I do think that now going forward if employers are going to be expecting employees to work from home then they need to almost do it on a case-by-case -case basis and have those conversations with people about right okay how practical is it for you to work from home have you got everything you need have you got things that you need to make it easier more comfortable safe even you know working on beds and things i mean if you think about dse assessments like they'd have kittens wouldn't they <laughs> really not you know the way that we should be sitting but alice as you pointed out not everybody has the luxury of of sort of having a space that they can create a spot you know an office or or just their specific sort of workstation and I think that there's yeah. there's lots of things that need to be taken into consideration. But I think a lot of it is around education as well. And I think within that, maybe we need to try and push a bit more education to employers around well-being and, and resilience and having just those conversations. How are you today? Are you OK? They're conversations that we'd have in the kitchen whilst we're making a coffee mm. and working from home. Mm. No one to answer or no one to ask. So. You know it's it's about kind of making sure that we just remind people that those conversations are just as important yeah and i think um so with regards to the, the way we do things we, we've sort of um set up things like whatsapp groups or um you know ways to just stay in touch with colleagues on a casual basis so you know you can use microsoft teams for your work chat and you can discuss you know you know whatever you want to discuss with regards to um what you do what you would be doing in the office but then have another channel where you can chat with your colleagues about stuff completely un, unrelated to work so you can still have that sort of like you said the chit chat you would be having in the office um without the sort of uh, overlying uh, underlying um you know thing that always it's, it's got to be work talk because we need that we need that normal social interaction and we would largely get that at work so um yeah i think there's there's good options like whatsapp and other sort of methods to use for that definitely I also think that that interaction is really good as well if you're if you're looking for work I think it's a pretty isolating process in normal times um, but then when everyone's in lockdown I think it you can feel very kind of lonely actually if you're looking for work and particularly if you're finding it quite difficult so it's something we encourage a lot of our clients is is building that network of support and even if it's just virtual 
um, but just having someone, whether it's an employment officer or a work coach or just a, a random friend or whatever, but just someone that you can sort of discuss, say, you know, this is how it's going, it's going well, it's not going so well, what ideas, and I think that that's a really important part as well of when you're actually looking for work. Mm, definitely. That kind of makes me think about, um, so we've got two wellbeing champions within our team uh, and, and each week they'll either send out a newsletter or, or they'll sort of um, speak at one of our team meetings and things. And um, one of them were saying that they set us little challenges each week. And one of the challenges was about kind of just reaching out and talking to somebody that you maybe haven't spoken to in a while. Um, so kind of thinking about what, what Dan was saying, so, you know, anyone who is looking for work, who's maybe feeling a little bit isolated and things, reach out to somebody that maybe you haven't spoken in a couple of weeks and not for any other reason other than to just say hi and just check in on people because, mm. you know, it just, it will probably make their day as well because who knows, they might be feeling exactly the same. So the power of talk. I know a lot mm. of people have anxiety about um, reaching out in that way. I think mm -hmm. there can be a lot of like what if thoughts or you know, a lot of worry that gets in the way there. Yeah. And actually, the, the more you get used to doing that, the easier it gets. And I'd say that's a sort of a really good general rule to bear in mind that actually there's a lot of things that maybe we've not done for a while and they now feel quite intimidating. I think there's probably a lot of people quite anxious about going back into the office just because actually they've not been there for a while. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's really, really normal actually anything where we've not done it for a while our brain starts getting nervous about it start getting that anxiety but it's about building up to that slowly and breaking it down for ourselves yeah yeah little little steps isn't it yeah and so i mean i guess maybe if somebody didn't want to reach out to someone that they haven't spoken to in a while on the phone then actually the next time they go out and buy a loaf of bread just to smile, not that they can see you because you'll have a mask on, but you can see because you can see in the eyes, can't you, when someone's smiling, but um, to just smile and say hello and have a nice day. I mean, mm. not too long ago, a lady in um, who's working in, in our local petrol station, um, bless her, was clearly having a very bad day. Uh, the machine crashed, the guy that she was trying to serve was getting very angry and frustrated. He was clearly in a massive rush um, and had forgotten his manners. Uh, and she was really, really stressed. So I picked up a chocolate bar and paid for it and then just gave it to her and said, I think you need this this morning and then just left. Um, because, you know, sometimes it's just about having conversations and doing something nice. And, you know, yeah. that's probably something that I really wish. <coughs> but it felt like the right thing to do at the time. But I think the more we get used to just starting to reach out and, and speak to people, because, yeah, you're right people we haven't seen people we've not been allowed to have we mm. so just but yeah I'd just say you know start with little things and and kind things we just need to be not kind yeah. to people. yeah absolutely and that example absolutely. is so lovely that you've described there <laughs> you know you're saying it's a little thing but that probably made her day she probably still thinks about that because I would so yeah little things like that. that yeah I don't know I think yeah. I was just this very strange woman who just Favorite. Yeah. She probably doesn't like chocolate, but it just felt like <laughs> at the time it just felt like the right thing. Yeah, have a bar. No, of those little acts of care they make massive. They make a massive difference. They have a much Definitely. bigger impact. And I think you know, and it has an impact on you too. It's it's something that I assume you feel quite good about having done. Yeah, yeah. If not, you certainly should. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm I'm all for just 
just being kind. Life's hard enough, isn't it? So actually, if we can just bring smiles to other people's faces in the day, then then that's all good. And we're all in the same boat at the end of the day. You know, there's been a stressful year for, well, everyone on earth, essentially. Um, so I guess it's just one of those things where, yeah, just be good to each other and um, just understand we're all in the same boat at the end of the day. Yeah. Kind to each other, be kind to ourselves. It's one of the very, very few good things to come out of the pandemic, isn't it? Is actually it's it's brought out a lot of good in a lot of people, which is is nice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So we've been talking a lot about working from the home, working from the office, that kind of thing. Um, what what do we prefer? What what's our favourite? Do we prefer home or the office? I think I probably prefer a bit of both, and um, I, I like the I. I don't have to travel too far to come into the office, so it's not a massive commute. So that's that's been that's OK for me. Um, and but I've really enjoyed aspects of working from home. Um, just, the, you know, it's a different environment. It's a different setting. It's been it's been it's been kind of liberating in some ways. So um, I'm hoping that I'll have the choice in the future that I, I can do a bit of both in some ways. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I think um, yeah. first lockdown, I was like, "Oh, this is fantastic." Second lockdown, I was, I was think, thinking, "Get me out of here! I'm going stir crazy." Third lockdown, I was sort of, "Okay, I'm used to this now." You know, uh, I'm sort of getting in the groove of things. But I think, like Sam said, I think a balance is best because you know all of that stuff we've been speaking about today with regards to the social interaction and that um, you know network inside of things. You need that, and it's just not the same from home. So, I, I definitely think. Uh, uh, not a 50-50 split, but, you know, um, two, three days in the office, then, you know, two, three days working from home is, is best for me, I reckon. I'd agree with that. I mean, I quite like where I am now, where going into the office feels like a genuine treat. Like I get quite excited. <laughs> I don't think I'll be able to maintain that long term, but um, it's it's nice to have a little bit of both and it's going to be down to it and as you said I think it is it's a case by case thing everybody's situation is going to be a bit different I think a lot of people will come down on a bit of a mix of both because there's been some real benefits to working from home yeah um just the time that's saved money that's saved mm. um there's definitely noticeable financial impact um mm. but there is also just so much benefit to going into the office, having that structure and seeing colleagues and having that face to face interaction, which is just lovely. So, yeah, I'm like everyone else, a bit of both. Yeah, I have to say I'm going to come down on, on your side. It's definitely a bit of both for me. I, I think um, I think it'd be fair to say that I, I probably don't really like my own company that much. Um, so I do thrive. <laughs> That's <and> worrying. <laughs> Um, I, I really get a lot of my um, my drive and my motivation, I guess, from from my surroundings, and and a lot of that is people, um, and and I really like I like I'm a very social person, sort of in the fact that you know I just I like the buzz and the movement around me. Um, however, what I haven't missed is having that all go on around me when I'm trying to do things like budgets or trying to write reports or and, and people just want just five minutes of my time well it's never just five minutes and then it's five minutes for this person five minutes for that person and then my whole day goes by and I just think I've still not managed to do the one thing that I needed to do so in that respect I think I am looking forward to being able to legitimately say actually I need to work from home tomorrow because I've got to do x y and z and knowing that that time's a lot more protected 
um, and I don't have to go hiding somewhere in the Civic, which it has been known. I've literally hidden in, in rooms so that I can't be found, so that I can just get on and do what I need to do. So to be able to do that at home would be a wonderful, but I do miss not being around the team and I miss not, um, I, I think for me as a manager, I find it really hard in the fact that, you know, when you are doing Zoom meetings and stuff that you see like the chest up and that's fine but then you don't see lots of people's mannerisms so you can't really get a true indication as to whether or not they're having a bad day or whether they're having a really good day um, and for me I worry about my team I like you know I want everybody to be well and and be okay and so if I can't see that I find that um, difficult so it would be nice to just just once in a while be able to just actually see people and just have a chat and be able to see everybody's body language rather than just sort of facial expressions really yeah yeah I agree and you know I I've loved working from home I think it's it's been great you know I, I feel like I've been more productive yeah. uh, I've saved money on commuting I've saved money on buying lunch and things like that um, it's been certainly helpful for me because I've, I've moved house during the lockdown as well so that's been been useful having that little bit of extra time that I would have been commuting I can be doing a bit of painting or whatever um, but I must say I have really missed seeing clients and I cannot wait to be able to meet clients in person again mm. um, because I, I've had I've had people that I've been working with throughout the lockdown and I don't even know what they look like and it's, it's that's bizarre um so yeah just just being able to just work with people in that that old way again of, of seeing people and gauging how they're feeling about you know if you're suggesting things to them and they might be saying yes but their body language might be saying something different and it's impossible to get that over the phone or over zoom even so yeah i, I can't wait i think a mix a mixture is going to be the best way forward definitely so I guess that kind of um, brings us to, to an end of um, today's session. So can I say thank you to all three of you for, for joining us? Um, it's been really great, really insightful to, to listen to you. Um, so thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, next month, we're going to be joined by our partners on the PATH project, um, which is a really amazing project. And it's a project that aims to raise awareness of perinatal mental health. Um, I've been lucky enough to be part of this project um, since its, its start and its launch. Um, so it's going to be rather special um, podcast next month because we're going to be launching our awareness campaign for PATH um, and we'll be discussing our role in the project and how we can support parents and families affected by perinatal mental health, but also how we can help employers to support their staff too. Yes, yeah, so uh, join us next month to find out about that really exciting project. We're also going to have a special podcast as well um, to mark Southampton's first virtual careers and apprenticeships show. Um, so we're going to be talking to the organisers about that event and also some employers who are going to be exhibiting. Um, so yeah, a lot of podcast action next month. Um, <laughs> so as always, don't forget to send us your thoughts and your comments. Um, all of contact details are over on Access Southampton um, and we'll be posting all of the links to everything we've talked about today um, in the in the description. So um, so yeah, thank you for listening. Um, thank you Steps to Wellbeing for joining us and um, thank yeah, you. we'll, we'll thank see you next month. Thank you. Thanks.
Thank you.